0: How do you tell if something is alive? I mean, it's usually pretty obvious, isn't it? But sometimes it's not. See, I pondered this question this week as I looked into our fish tank and noticed one of our kids' goldfish lying perfectly still on the bottom of the tank. I came back a few hours and it was still there. It hadn't moved an inch. It looked pretty dead. But as I went to scoop that fish out and put him into our little fish cemetery in the veggie garden, he sprung to life and he swam away. Well, it wasn't a miracle. It turns out he was dying. He just had a last little burst of energy trying to escape my net. But he did die. Uh, But as I googled how to tell if my fish is alive... I discovered something! See, if you want to tell the difference between something that is alive and something that is not, well, biologists actually have seven clear answers for you. There are seven things which determine whether something is alive or not. And so next time you're looking at a jellyfish and wondering, really? Is that actually a living thing? Or if you can't tell the difference between a stick and a stick insect, I can help you. Now, of these seven things, some of them are a bit science-y and I don't really understand. They have to be made of cells, they have to have a metabolism, they have to have something called homeostasis, which just means that they have a steady state of conditions. But some of them are very basic. They move and respond to their environment. Living things move. Living things reproduce and pass on their traits to other living things. But most important for us today, living things grow. Living things don't stay the same forever. They develop, they change, they grow. But we're not here today to learn biology. No, today we're in the second week of our series called Follow Me, where we're thinking about what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. And last week we saw that the first and foremost following Jesus means firstly turning from sin towards Jesus, Trusting in Jesus, taking up our cross like Jesus, and then finally triumphing with Jesus. So we saw that the first distinctive mark of being a Christian disciple is that we actually follow Jesus each day. But when you make that commitment, when you take that step to turn from sin and to trust in Jesus... At that moment, Jesus says that you have been born again. You've started a new life. Paul will say that you have been made alive. Peter will say that you have been given new birth into a living hope. See, all of them agree that Christians are people who are alive. And so the second distinctive of Christian discipleship that we're looking at this morning is that living things grow. Followers of Jesus grow. As people who have moved from death to life, who have been born again, Christians are people who grow and keep growing. We don't stay the same. We're always changing, always developing, always becoming more and more like the people that God wants us to be. And so this morning, as we ponder this topic of spiritual growth, I'm going to pray and ask that God, in his word, by his Holy Spirit, right now, would actually be growing us to be more like Christ. So how about we do that together? Let's pray. Lord God, we acknowledge that we are people who have been made alive in Christ. That you have given us new birth. That we are new creations and so Lord we pray that you would help us to know what it means to live out these new lives. Lord would you grow us as you speak to us through your word by your spirit this morning for our good and for your glory we pray. Amen. Now if you grabbed an outline on the way in you can follow along. There's three simple points for us this morning. Firstly growth is God's plan for you. Growth is God's work in you, but growth is also your work. But the first thing we need to see this morning is that God wants you to grow. In fact, God requires you to grow. Because one quick glance at sinful humanity and you will soon realise that something needs to change. We can't stay as we are. God loves humans as they are. But he loves us far too much to let us stay as we are. He wants us to actually change. And so God made a plan for you to change. He made a plan for sinful humans to be in right relationship with him. And to give you all the qualifications that are needed to be in right relationship with him. He made a plan for people who were dead in sin to be resurrected, to be made alive. He made a plan for those who had no right to have anything to do with him to become his own dear children. There are some of you in the congregation here who are doing renovations or have just completed some renovations. And you know what it is to make a plan for change. You look at your house as it is and it's a, you say it will not do It can't stay like this. It needs to change. And so you make a plan to change it, to transform it, to make it what it could be. Well, God is doing some serious renovations on your life. He's made a plan to transform you, and he achieved it at the cross. And so if we were to plot it on a graph, At the top, we have righteousness, being right with God, being in right relationship with God and living rightly. And at the bottom, we have unrighteousness. And that's where we are. We live down the bottom there. There is no one righteous, not even one. Every single human inhabits this space of unrighteousness. But then at the cross, at the point at which you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus for forgiveness, God does something truly amazing. He he instantly changes you. You are instantly counted as righteous. Once and for all. Never to be taken away. Declared right with God. Because Jesus' righteousness is counted as your own. Now, the Bible calls that process justification, and it's our legal standing with God. It's a gift from God. You didn't earn it, and it's truly amazing. Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, if you follow Jesus, that is already yours. It is a done deal. You have peace with God now. At the cross, all those who repent and believe in Jesus are instantly changed. You were unrighteous, you are now righteous. You were unholy, you are now holy. And it's at this point that you go, renovations are easy. That was simple, wasn't it? But this is only half the story. Because this doesn't account for your experience right now, does it? As far as God is concerned, you are perfect. You are holy. He looks at you the same way he looks at his own son, Jesus. With complete and utter joy. Friends, that is how God looks at you if you are in Christ. Like a parent that looks at their newborn child and just thinks they're perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. That is how God looks at you. But you're far from perfect, aren't you? Now, is God deluded? He's not. We are legally right with God. That is our legal standing. But our present reality is far from that. See, we all still live down here. We still struggle with sin, don't we? None of you are actually perfect. You sin, you fail to love God, you fail to love each other, you struggle to read your Bible. We all still inhabit that space down the bottom. And that's because we're all still on a journey to become what Jesus has already made us. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Only let us become what we already are. But that is the truth of the Christian life. We are already justified, and now it's our task to live like we are. In Hebrews chapter 10... It says, for by one sacrifice, God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's the same process. He has done it, and now we must do it. This is what the Bible calls sanctification, or transformation, or growth. And that's what we're talking about this morning. At the moment you choose to follow Jesus, you begin a slow uphill journey of growth. Each day becoming more and more like the person that Jesus has already made you. Each day growing closer to God. Each day growing in your knowledge of him. Each day growing in love and in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in gentleness, in self-control. Hey friends, the normal pattern of the Christian life is a slow but steady growth in godliness. In fact, growth is so essential to the Christian faith that Jesus says it is a mark of true discipleship. Colin read it for us before in John chapter 15. Jesus said, this is to my father's glory That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus will go so far as to say that anyone who claims to follow him but doesn't bear fruit, doesn't bear the fruit of a changed life, that he says they have no relationship with him. If you are in Christ, you will grow. Living things grow. And so let me ask you are you growing? Now, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to grow. But first, you need to repent of sin and you need to turn to Jesus. You need to be made alive so that you can grow as a living believer. But friends, for those of you who are here who are followers of Jesus already, if you call yourself a Christian, are you growing spiritually spiritually? It's helpful to actually look back at your life and think about this. Look back over the last few weeks, the last few months, the last few years, for some of you, the last few decades of following Jesus. Is your love for God increasing? Can you, can you honestly say that today you actually love Jesus more than you did 10 years ago? Do you notice a heightened awareness of sin in your life? Do, do you notice your own sin more? Do you hate your sin more? Do you feel the sense of joy and contentment of belonging to Jesus? Are you growing in joy? The picture of the Christian life is of ever increasing joy. Do you find yourself feeling less and less attached to the things of this world and more and more excited about serving in Christ's kingdom? Now, these are a few questions that you can ask yourself to decide. Are are you growing? Can you witness this upward trajectory? Now, bear in mind, I'm I'm not asking, are you perfect? Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. It's long, it's slow. Sometimes you might feel like you're not moving anywhere. Other times you may even feel like you're sliding backwards. But friends, if you have a living faith in Jesus, then you should be able to see some growth. If you are alive or living things, grow. John Newton has a helpful quote. I think we should be able to echo this sentiment. Oh, here it is. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. Not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you echo that sentiment? You don't need to be perfect yet. You don't need to be holy and righteous in perfect, you know, to a perfect standard yet. But are you growing? Are you not what you once used to be? Well, friends, it's to that grace of God that we now turn because having seen that growth is God's plan for you, the next thing that we need to see is that growth is God's work in you. The kind of transformation that needs to happen in each of our lives is something that only God could do. It's a huge transformation. Jesus is surely the only one who could possibly bring about the change that we need to see. And that means that any growth that you do see in your own life or in the lives of others, that shouldn't bring pride or boasting to your own life. It should lead you to praise God. It's a gift from God. It's God who grows you. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, he compares the growth of the church there to a garden. And he says, I planted the seed. Apollos, his fellow worker, he watered the seed, but God has been making it grow. Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And so, friends, if you can look back at your life and and see that growth in your life, praise God. Praise God that he is working in your life. If you notice someone else has been growing, you can see that they're becoming more and more committed to the church. Praise God. That is a gift from God. If you're on the receiving end of the love and care and generosity of someone who's been moved to treat you in that way because of God's love and generosity to them, praise God. Growth in God's people is something that we can celebrate. Celebrate it in your own life. Celebrate it in the lives of your brothers and sisters. What a a pleasure, what a joy it is to see God working in his people, growing his disciples. But friends, he wants you to keep growing. And so in 2 Peter chapter 1, which Colin read, it says, his, that is God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything you need to grow in knowledge, in love, in character, God has given it to you. It's already yours. He is empowering your growth. He wants you to grow. He sent his son to defeat the power of sin that held you captive. He gives you his own spirit that works in you, that moves you to help live a godly life. From beginning to end, God is at work in you. But that doesn't mean that you don't need to do anything. Because it might seem paradoxical. But the God who promises to grow his children, to be like Christ, also instructs us to work out our own growth. It's only by God's grace that we're able to grow, but our efforts matter. And we need to hold those two things together. And that's why a few verses after Peter wrote that God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. He says, it's all grace. A few verses later, he instructs his readers to make every effort to grow in faith and knowledge and love. It's why Paul in Philippians 2 can instruct his readers to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. You see, the two go hand in hand. God is at work in you, so get to work. God is powerful to grow his children, but he chooses to do it through your efforts. Now, we can rest assured that God is more committed to your growth than you are, but he wants you to play your part. Now, I've had many people in my life who have been more committed to my growth than I am. I'm sure some of you have too. I had a piano tutor when I was younger who was more committed to me being a great pianist than I was. He, and he would often tell me, you could be good, you could even be great. You just need to practice. He's like, I can help you, but you need to do your bit. I had a math teacher in high school who was more committed to me being a great mathematician than I was. He, he actually offered to come in early before school to teach advanced math that no one else did at school he said you could be good at math you could be great at math i will help you but you need to want it i had an engineering professor who before i finished my bachelor's degree said i want you to come and do a phd with me see all these people were more committed to my growth than i was they all even were willing to sacrifice so that i could be great but i didn't want what they were offering I resisted their efforts. Now, some of you might be thinking, Phil, you've wasted your life. What are you doing? Maybe I have. It, it, might, it might sound like missed opportunities. But you know what would be worse? I'll tell you what would be tragic. If the God of the universe did everything to make you great, to make you holy, to make you perfect, in right relationship with him, everything. If he even sacrificed so that you could be the person that you could live to that full potential. If he laid down before you everything that you needed for life and godliness, everything you needed to change, everything you needed to grow to become the person that God designed you to be, and instead of latching on to that glorious opportunity, you resisted it. You actively worked against that gift. Friends, that would be a tragedy. And yet we so often do it, don't we? We, we have this plan set out before us. We know God's will for us is to make us glorious to conform us to the image of his own son to actually make you like Jesus to make us spotless and pure to bring us into perfect unity with God who created the universe we know that plan it's set before us we have the power he gives us everything we need to change and to grow And yet we stubbornly refuse to change. Maybe it's that you're too scared to accept Jesus' invitation to radical discipleship. Maybe it's just that you enjoy sin too much. Maybe it's that we're worried about what other people might think of us. Maybe we're just too lazy to make the effort. But friends, God's will is to transform your life now into something glorious, into something that will bring you joy, and something that will make you live out your full potential as God's child. He invites you to have a new life. And friends, to resist that would be such a Tragedy. And so friends, let me challenge you this morning to take steps to actually grow in your faith. God is at work in you. So let's get to work. Well, how do we do that? How do we grow? How do we become the people that God wants us to be? Well, we do it the same way that you lose weight. Through the tried and tested habits of regular diet and exercise. Friends, a healthy diet of spiritual nourishment from God's word is what you need to grow. Filling your mind with good things. Reading good Christian books are things that will help you grow. Regular exercise of prayer and obedience to God's word. These are things that will help you grow. Surrounding yourself with cheerleaders who will urge you on to follow Jesus. You'll never picture everyone here as a cheerleader, will you? Uh, But that's what we need. We need to actually surround ourselves with people who will spur us on to love and good deeds. These are the things that God gives us to help us to grow. He gives us everything we need. He gives us his spirit. But then he also gives us the tools, the resources, the means of our growth. This church is one of them. The Bible is one of them. The freedom that you have to pray to him at any time, that is another one of them. So friends, make use of these things. Train yourself in godliness. Actually make an effort. There are so many tools and resources that God gives us to help us grow. But friends, you know what we need most of all? The thing that will help you grow more than anything else, the thing that will help you grow in your knowledge, grow in your love, grow in your joy, grow in your godliness, grow in character, the thing that will help you grow to become more like Jesus is that if each day you renew your commitment to follow Jesus. The way to bear fruit, according to Jesus in John 15, is to remain in me. Staying in constant connection with Jesus. Keeping your eyes fixed upon Jesus. Cultivating a healthy obsession with Jesus. With his life and his teaching and his example. And starting each day with a renewed commitment to follow after Jesus. To turn from sin, to trust in him, to take up your cross and to look forward in hope to when you will triumph with him. Friends, this is how you will grow as a disciple of Jesus. Friends, living things grow. Are you growing? Let me finish with these words from Philippians 1. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Friends, that's my prayer to you. That's my prayer for myself. How about we pray together? Our Lord God, we rejoice that you have given us new life in your Son, that we have new birth into a living hope, that we've been made alive when we were once dead. Lord, please help us to live out these new lives that you give us. Lord, would you help us not to be content with what we are now, but help us to strive to grow in our love for you, in our knowledge of your Son. Help us to strive to grow in our Christian character that we might actually look more and more like the righteous and holy people that you have made us in Christ. Lord, keep us from being satisfied with a job half finished. Lord, help us cling to you each day so that we might grow. Thanks for blessing us with all the tools to do that. Thanks that you've given us your spirit that works in us, that helps us put sin to death, that helps us cling to you. Thanks that you've given us this church and brothers and sisters who can spur us on to love and good deeds. But Lord, we pray that you might help us not resist the growth that you want to produce in us. May we bear fruit to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.